Hey everyone, my name is Adam and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. At the end of today's episode, please take a minute and download our free Chestnut Ridge app. It has all our recent message content and more. You can also head to theridge.church to get information on service times and get info on everything going on here at the Ridge. We hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. I don't think it would surprise any of us to realize that there's a connection between being generous and being happy. You know, to having a thankful heart or joy in our heart related to when we're generous, when we give, when we have hands that are open wide. And and, and the flip side is also true that when we hold on to things, when we hoard things, you know, it has the opposite effect. It steals our joy, like the story I shared maybe six weeks ago about the little boy in the nursery who just was clinging to all of the balls. He sucked the joy out of that room. But there's a connection between having an open heart and a closed, or an open heart and having joy or happiness or a thankful spirit within us. This is the time of year when um, people watch a lot of Christmas programs, and you can watch those before Thanksgiving too. But um, two of them that are favorites of mine are A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life. And they both have a similar idea in them. The Christmas Carol, of course, has a character by the name of Scrooge, and he, he's, he's, he's wealthy. He's got everything he needs, but he's got no joy in his life because he's kind of shriveled up like a prune. And then the other one is It's a Wonderful Life, and you've got the businessman named Potter, and it's the same kind of thing. He's got everything in the world, but what really matters He's not enjoying life because of this lack of generosity, this lack of looking out for the needs of other people in his world. Scientists have concluded that there is a positive connection between happiness and generosity. Researchers at the University of Zurich determined that the brain actually kind of fires up, that the hemispheres of the brain actually connect better when people are generous, when they're thinking of other people. They did a study recently that concluded helping others gives people what is called a warm glow. Of course, we're not surprised by that. You've experienced it. Another group called The Motley Fool, which is a private financial and investment advice firm, they did a study in 2019. And it was a study about generosity, and this is what they concluded. High generosity respondents we're more than three times as likely to have a very meaningful life, you know, as opposed to those who weren't generous. As it turns out, they concluded, having the highest savings account balance may not be the key to happiness. I find this is remarkable, because this is their business. You know, encouraging people to invest their money and save their money, and yet they're saying that's not the key to happiness. There's something about being generous and opening up our hearts to other people. And this is a truth, of course, it's reinforced, reinforced time and time again throughout the pages of the Bible. The wisest man, I think, who ever lived apart from Jesus Christ was probably Solomon, or at least in his wisdom writings. I don't know that his life showed wisdom so much. But in Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, he wrote, one person gives freely yet gains more. I call this divine math. And I think he's talking, by the way, probably in a physical sense. He's the kind of person who gives freely, yet for some reason they end up gaining more. Another person withholds what's right. 
You know, you should do this. You should give this. You should, should take care of this. They hold on to it. They hoard it. They think, well, I'm going to protect it. And yet it says they become poor. He goes on to say, a generous person will be enriched. And the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. Then it comes back to us. And that is the nature of generosity. Jesus said the same thing in some verses we looked at last year, Luke 6, 38 and 39. But in verse 38, he said, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's an allusion to the fact that in biblical times, their garments could be used as like a pocket. And so this is saying you give to other people from what you have. And it'll come back to you. Only when it comes back, it'll be pressed down, shaken together, and actually running over. There's a connection between how you treat others and how it comes back to you. There's a connection between being generous and being enriched somehow through the process. The example that comes to my mind is of a restaurant that um, doesn't give you a big enough portion. Have you ever been to a restaurant? I'm not talking about the fine restaurants where the portions are supposed to be tiny, not a tapas type thing. But, you know, you, you order your food and, and you realize the portions are kind of small because somebody somewhere thought in their mind that we'll come out ahead, we'll make more money if we sh make the portions smaller. But I've gone to restaurants like that and decided I'm never going back. Did they come out ahead, really? Well, no. Generous person prospers. And that's just the way it is. And there's something about when we're generous with other people that does not impoverish us. I referred to the Motley Fool earlier. They used an illustration involving some candles. I have this candle up here that's lit already. Let me ask you a question. If this candle here shares its light, will it diminish itself in any way at all? In the process of sharing its life, its light, is, is it diminished? Is it impoverished in any way? Well, the answer, of course, is no. Motley Fool said this about it, when our respondents decided to spread their light through generosity, they actually gained something, which is again what the Bible says, although the gains aren't always in this life. It's not always a this and this type of thing. I do think, though, God is keeping track. Now, Jesus talked a lot about the whole subject of our wealth and about giving and, and just how we're to view it because Jesus came introducing the kingdom of heaven and he wanted us to understand that things are different in his kingdom. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom where Christ reigns and things are done differently in his kingdom. And he talked a lot about how we view the subject of our resources and our money and that kind of, kind of thing. Today I'd like to look at a story that's found in Luke chapter 12 that kind of illustrates part of this kingdom thinking toward our finances. It's found in Luke 12 verses 13 to 21. And let me set the context for this. Uh, Jesus was teaching a huge crowd. Um, it could have been as many as 10,000. Uh, Luke chapter 12 begins with talking about this, this crowd of thousands, but the word that's used there, the Greek word is myriad. It means 10,000. And so there may have been as many as 10,000 people listening to Jesus as he taught, and then some guy comes up to him with a question, a problem, and he had his brother with him in tow. So the two of them come to Jesus, and he wants to ask Jesus a question related to an inheritance. He wants his brother to share with him. 
Let's begin reading the story in verse 13. Someone from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now again, this implies that the brother's right there. Like Jesus, tell him, here he is. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? That is how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Very sobering parable here. This guy comes up to Jesus. He's just looking for some justice. And it looks like Jesus blows him off, although I think that Jesus does answer his question, and I'll get to that in just a minute here. But, but it's like, who appointed me to be, you know, the judge or arbiter? Look at verses 13 and 14 again. You know, someone from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? And it looks like he's kind of going to blow off the guy. And I've, I've been surprised in the past when I read this story because I would have expected Jesus to say something like, well, tell me what happened, and, and then to give his verdict. And by the way, this was a very common practice in biblical times that if somebody had a legal question or a serious personal question, they'd go to a rabbi, a teacher, or they'd go to one of the scribes. In biblical days, scribes were like lawyers who really understood the law. And so they're coming to bring Jesus this issue, and he says, well, who may be your arbiter? You know, I'm not the one that's supposed to decide things for you. And, and in, in wisdom, he, he said, I'm not getting in the middle of your family thing. Now, I think part of the reason he did that was that he had a bigger mission in mind. You know, he's got 10,000 people listening to him. He has a short amount of time on this earth to talk about things that really matter. Kingdom of heaven, how do you get to heaven? How do you meet God? What does it mean to live rightly? You know, Jesus had those things to talk about. And here somebody comes up talking about something related to money. Now, we don't know the circumstances of the question exactly. We don't, we don't know exactly what's happening here. Uh, apparently, these two guys, their father passed away. Apparently, the older son was the executor of the estate, the administrator of the estate. But a couple of things, a few things could be happening here. First of all, it's possible that after the father died, the uh, older brother said, I'm not giving you anything. I mean, maybe that's what the issue is. So the younger one's coming to Jesus saying, tell him to share. That's possibly what it is. Or it could be that he wanted a bigger portion for himself, the younger one. Because in Bible times, oftentimes the firstborn son got a double portion, and so... You know, the firstborn son would get 66%. The other son would get only 34%. And maybe he was coming to Jesus and saying, I'd like it to be split 50-50. Or what seems most likely is that this younger man was asking for his full inheritance early 
He said, give me all that I have coming to me so I can leave. That he was likely like the prodigal son that Jesus talked about, the parable of the prodigal son who went to his dad and said, give me my inheritance so that I can go and leave. And it's possible that he wanted to leave his brother in, in the situation of managing the, the farm on his own. He said, I want to just take my money and run. And the older son says, no, I don't, it's not good. It's, it's not going to work. We don't know what it is exactly. But Jesus answered him in verse 15. He then told him, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Two things I want to note about this. First of all, that the word watch out or watch is plural. And so I think he's addressing both of the boys there, although it could be the whole crowd. You know, it should be translated, you watch out. So it could be everybody, but I think it's both boys, and I do think that that's the answer. I think that's the answer to the problem. Don't be greedy. I mean, what if both boys had in their mind, in their heart, I'm not going to be greedy here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to care about my brother. If, if both of them thought that way, wouldn't that solve the issue? I think it would, and so I think that is, that is the answer. But then he said this, he made this statement, one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions, which is my point this morning. That's not what life is about, things. It's not about stuff. That thankfulness, that giving is part of thankfulness. And when we give, it does something within our own hearts that we begin to live when we let go, which is not the way we usually think about things. And then Jesus told a parable, so let's look at that a little more carefully. Luke chapter 12 and verse 16, we read, then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. Now let's stop there for a moment. I want to make the observation that the guy was already rich. He already had a lot. It wasn't like this bumper crop was the thing that was going to make him so wealthy. No, a rich man's land actually did really, really well. And so he, he, we're really looking here at adding to his riches. We're looking at a perspective toward wealth here where the guy just says, well, I know I've got plenty to live on right now. I'm already wealthy, but look at what's happening. And then he decides to do certain things with his money. But it was a very productive year for him. And so let's continue reading in verse 17. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? So that's the question. What do I do about this wonderful situation? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? This is how it's going to be for the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, realize that it's not always um, one or the other. He's talking about storing up treasure and not being rich toward God. And I'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. But this guy had three, at least three problems with his thinking when it came to his wealth. The three things that he got wrong about what to do under this circumstance where he was really blessed. And we recognize, by the way, that God is the one who blesses us. The first mistake he had in terms of his thinking about this situation was that he only thought about himself. 
when it came to his wealth. So there's, that's the first problem. He, all of his thinking was about what I'm going to do for me. There's no thought about giving to God or other people. Let me read verses 17 to 19 again, and I want to emphasize the pronouns. Because at least 10 times he uses the words I, I'll, my, myself. It shows that's what the heart of the problem is. Verse 17, he thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying ourselves with what God provides for us. In fact, the last reference I'm going to read this morning talks about the fact that God gives us everything for our enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what he has. There's nothing wrong with using your wealth to take care of your own needs as well as your wants. That's not what the issue is. The issue was that he only was concerned about his stuff. Nobody else. What should he have been thinking about? Well, he should have thought in terms of maybe that with what God's provided for me, I could serve God. There's something that I could do to, to advance the kingdom of God. Or he could have thought about helping other people. You know, Jesus talked, of course, about advancing the kingdom of God. He was talking about money when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other stuff I'll, I'll take care of for you. You know, we seek first his kingdom. But, but this guy wasn't thinking of God's kingdom. He was only thinking about his own kingdom. But then he was also thinking only of himself and not those who were needy or poor or others that could have benefited from what he had. I'm reminded of another, another occasion where a rich man came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I won't go and look at the passage, but part of what, what Jesus said to him was, well, what, what you should do is, well, let's read it, Matthew 19, 21. He said, if you want to be perfect, and the word perfect here doesn't mean sinless, it means complete. If you want to fully fulfill your duty in terms of what God is looking for, if you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. This is one of the ways in which we store treasure in heaven, which we'll be talking about in a minute here, is when we, when we give to other people, when we help meet the needs of those who are poor. The story goes on to say that the, the rich man walked away very sad because he had so much. And I look at this story, and I, I realize it would have been hard for him to do what Jesus asked. It would have been really, really hard for him to do that. I, I get it. But Jesus was the Son of God, and God the Son, consider what he would have gained if he had done that. If he'd set everything aside and seen the true value of who was standing before him, a once in an etern eternity opportunity to walk with the Son of God and God the Son, but he set it all aside. The point is, though, that God doesn't give us wealth and, and, and provide for us so that we can just store it up for ourselves and just enjoy ourselves, which, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But he gives us what we have to steward it well, which brings me to my second point. 
Second way in which his, his thinking was wrong. He not only thought about himself when it came to his wealth, that was the first problem, but second, he thought his wealth belonged to him. He thought he owned it. But it was his, but it wasn't. In Luke 12, 20 to 21, let's read that again. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? There's the phrase. That's how it'll be with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. The point is that you can't take it with you. The point is that we come into this world without anything and we leave this world without anything. And so that means that everything in the meantime is just what God has entrusted to your stewardship. It's only on loan. It's, it's, it's borrowed. And God says, to whom much is given, much is required. When God blesses us in certain ways, he's looking at it. What are you going to do with it? Is this going to become for you an idol or is it going to be a tool? Is what we have something to be used for the glory of God and to benefit others as well as meet our own needs? Again, I don't want to diminish that part of it. It's okay to take care of your needs. And part of what this guy was doing wasn't bad in terms of even the idea of building barns. Uh, there's nothing wrong with preparing for the future either. You know, most of us here probably, uh, if you're not a teenager, you probably are putting toward retirement, you know. You're putting away money. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with doing that, you know. But he didn't consider that he was a steward. He only wanted to be a storer of what he had. He just wanted to accumulate it. He wanted to have more and more. He thought, I'm just going to have more and more, and I'm going to enjoy it all. And so, again, he was selfish, but, but also he just didn't understand that it, it, it's not his. He's going to leave it all behind. Someone else is going to get it after that. Solomon talked about that. He talked about the fact, you know, there's this... this Horrible thing in the world, this vanity, he said. That there's this guy that had all this wealth and everything, and then he died and had to give it to his son who, who didn't handle it well, squandered everything. His whole life had been about accumulating, then he passed it on to somebody else. We don't own it. It's like this bumper sticker I saw years ago here in Morgantown. It said, he who dies with the most toys dies. Kind of depressing. <laughs> but there's some truth to that. But he had a third problem, the last one we'll look at this morning. In addition to the fact that he was only thinking about himself and that he thought his wealth actually belonged to him, he didn't realize he was merely a steward of it. Third, he thought earthly wealth was the only kind that mattered. He didn't realize that there's another kind of wealth out there that's worth infinitely more, much better. All he could think about was this world and and enjoying life in this world and this life. He didn't give any thought to the next. Going back to verse 15 of Luke 12, Jesus is talking to that young man, and he says, then he told him, watch out, be on guard against all greed. Of course, greed is about wanting more and more stuff. Watch out, be on guard against all greed, because one's life is not in the abundance of his possession, which again is kind of the heartbeat of this, what I'm talking about here. Life is, that's, that's not what life is about, your stuff. There's more to it. And there's more to this life than this life. There's the, there's the next life as well. Some time ago, I read a study that was done among college students, and they were asked the question, what do you want in life? 
What's your goal in life? The number one answer, number one answer was I want to be rich so I can enjoy myself. God said to this guy, you fool. Look at verse 20 again. God said to him, you fool. That's a strong word. You really, really blew it here. You fool. This very night your life is demanded of you and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? And that's how it's going to be with anyone who stores up treasure for himself but isn't rich toward God. There's, there's another world. There's a, a future that it, it's possible, and this is an amazing thought to me, but it is possible to store up treasure in heaven. And it's, it's good to do that. Treasure in and of itself isn't bad, by the way. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 to 21? He said, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This is why this matters so much because wherever our treasure is, our heart's going to follow it. And if it's in the wrong place, we're going to have a problem here. Now, I have to admit, I don't know what it means exactly to have treasure in heaven. Like, what's happening? Is it an eternal bank account up there? What exactly is this? What I know for sure is it's the wealth that's worth something. Because the wealth of this world is not. You get no benefit from whatever you leave behind. There's, there's no eternal benefit from that. It might have enjoyed it in that life, but there's no benefit from it. Dr. Warren Wearsby makes this observation about this guy's main problem. He said, Jesus did not see this farmer enjoying life. He saw him facing death, which would lead to wisdom. He goes on to say, wealth cannot keep us alive when our time comes to die, nor can it buy back the opportunities we missed while we were thinking of ourselves and ignoring God and others. So practically, how do we store up treasure in heaven? My research, uh, there are two things that keep coming up over and over again. I think they're the two main things. You know, when Jesus says store up treasure in heaven, not on this earth, the two things. Number one is advancing Christ's kingdom. God has determined that he is going to accomplish his purposes in this world through his people and through their giving. And so as we advance Christ's kingdom in this world, I think we store up treasure in heaven. We're demonstrating that we have a viewpoint that is not limited to this life, but we're looking ahead to advancing God's kingdom, you know? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We use our resources to advance the kingdom of God whether it be through church or through ministries or whatever, but we're advancing his purposes. And the second one is caring for the needy. And when we do this, when we care in these ways, I think, again, it comes back to us, both in terms of a physical return and an eternal return, but also, I think, in our heart and soul, that giving is part of thanksgiving. So let me summarize these mistakes and then give us a little bit to think about here. He made three big mistakes. I think there were others. But first, he only thought about himself when it came to his wealth. And so in his thinking, he just was limited to his own things. Very selfish. Second, he thought his wealth belonged to him and nothing belongs to us. And so we just need to realize that. It'll help us hold it loosely. We realize this isn't mine. And third, he thought his earthly wealth was the, the only kind that mattered. And what he didn't realize is that, no, the other kind of wealth is much more important. That's the one that endures, store up treasure in heaven. 
And again, I think we do this as God blesses us financially. The thing is, it cannot become for us an idol. It has to become for us a tool that God uses. And, and I think God wants actually his giving to us to outflow because when we're the kind of people who don't make wealth an idol, we're the kind of people that God can bless financially. As we become a channel flowing his blessings into this world, as we become a channel to carry out his purposes. Now there are three verses in 1 Timothy 6 I think summarize everything I said this morning. Apostle Paul was speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy. He said, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth. So don't be proud. Don't put your hope in it because it could disappear in a moment. Your hope should always be in God even if you have a lot. It says, don't put your hope in the uncertainty of wealth but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. He's the provider and it is okay to enjoy it. And then he says, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good reserve for the age to come so that they may take hold of life that's real. In other words, they're storing up there, but also in this life, they understand what really matters. That's what life is. We understand what really matters in this life. Now this morning, we move the offering around and we're going to take our offering here in a moment usually we do it toward the front end of the service but I thought it just would be good every week to think in terms of is there something tangible I can do in terms of whatever I've just heard but before we take the offering I want to make a few con uh, comments about you all and about this kindness con uh, campaign uh, as I see what you've been doing it's it, it just it just blesses my heart. We had a serve day about a week or so ago, and a hundred of you came forward to help serve. You, you helped 39 senior citizens to rake and things like that, and I think that's a celebration. I think we should clap for that, you know? That a hundred of you would take four hours of your time, 400 hours donated just to help people. We did a coat drive, and it's still on, but so far over 600 coats have been donated. We're getting in these uh, packages from Amazon wish list that people are sending here. It's like Christmas. All these new coats are coming in and hats and other things. Over 600 already. Operation Christmas Child already, 250 boxes have been assembled to give to children all over the world. And in the future, there are going to be some more opportunities. One of them is going to be a Christian Christmas meal giveaway. We want to give away a full Christmas meal to 200 families in our community that are needy. We think it's gonna cost about $12,000 to do that and somebody already gave 6,000 toward it. He said, I wanna to give toward that thing. And if you wanna help with that, you can go to our website to the give thing and there's a little wheel there, you know, that you could decide what you wanna to give to and that's one of the things you might wanna do. Foster West Virginia, there are needs there. As people decide that they want to take care of foster children, we want to come alongside. You know, maybe they need a crib or other things and we want to provide for them. And one unique way to give, and this one's a little bit different, but you can give blood. We're doing an American Red Cross blood drive on December 13th from 1 to 6. And we encourage you to come and sign up. Uh, to donate blood and there are other ways as well and I also by the way want to commend you for your giving by the way to the church through this pandemic I've been so pleasantly encouraged and surprised 
at your faithfulness. So I commend you over this. But let's uh, have our offering. Before we do, uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do acknowledge that every good thing we have is because you're good and because of your kindness to us, that you've blessed us in so many ways, O oh Lord. And we, we, Lord, don't want to be ones to whom you just deposit good things, but we want to be ones, O oh Lord, who use what you've given us to make a difference in this world for you, that this world might realize the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ because of the generosity of your people. So give us grace, I pray, to apply this to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.